So, Amanda, you can consider us, like, film buffs, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I I just watch films all the time. 24 hours a day, there's a film playing. Um, so I know everything about absolutely everything. Yeah. I detect some sarcasm there. I um, didn't see as many movies last year as I actually thought I'd seen. <laughs> yeah, this was initially going to be our, our top 10 favorite mm-hmm. films of 2019. <laughs> but then it turns out Amanda didn't see enough great films to make a 10 okay. list. Here's my, here's my defense. I actually did see a lot of movies last year, but not in theaters. I watched a lot of movies on my own time. Uh, more so than I would any other year. And I watched a lot of things that I hadn't seen yet that I felt like, not just that I should, but I really wanted to. Like, I got around to seeing um, things like Rosemary's Baby and a lot of um, pinnacle movies, if that makes sense, that I had been wanting to and finally got around to. So, yeah. I get that. I've been seeing a lot of stuff through my college classes, too. But, you know, 2019, another year's passed, and that means, like, a whole bunch of films. And given that the New Year's already come around, everyone's already done their top ten lists, and they just listed off the Academy Award nominees, which, any thoughts on those? (sighs) That's all I have to say. Eleven nominees. One big sigh. Huge The weird thing is that besides Joker, which has like 11 nominations this year, the most out of any film nominated this year, um, none of the choices really seem all that bad. Like all the films nominated for Best Picture have gotten like at least a decent amount of critical praise. Yeah, totally. I mean, like it's fine. A lot of them I um, wish for the best, you know, like I wish them well and stuff like that. But I just kind of looked back and went, hmm. All right, this wasn't the. This was a year in movies for me in a way, but then also wasn't at all. Um, There were a lot of movies which I think were more. I mean, like, I went to the movies a lot this year, but it was. I think I was disappointed a lot, and I saw a lot of uh, good, bad movies, you know? Um, I think that this year had a lot of those very enjoyable, bad movies. Yeah. A lot of the Oscar uh, the Oscar nominees weren't movies that even made my lists for movies that I wanted to go see or even saw or were in my range, you know. Some of them, I'm surprised, got like a decent showing at the Academy mm-hmm. Awards, like um, uh, Ford versus Ferrari or... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of the... I was very shocked at a lot of them. I was like, wait, these were... Um, for lack of a better word, and this isn't this isn't meant to, um, I guess, detract from, or my opinion of their quality at all, whether I've seen them or not. But like the I for like Ford v Ferrari, for, for instance, I didn't expect that to be um, to see that one. Yeah, there, I like, if that makes sense. Yeah, like that one got some praise, but it also yeah. just like came and went. Exactly. Um, that's and I, also, that's my opinion on most of them. I I was like, oh yeah, that happened. Okay. Uh, and such a big showing in the actress category for Bombshells, you know, the Fox mm-hmm. News yeah. sexual harassment movie, which yeah. I, that one just went nowhere. Meanwhile, yeah. no, no nominations for Adam Sandler. Yeah, that, that is, was crazy to me. Un, he was amazing in Uncut Gems. Yeah. That was an amazing movie. 
I saw it the other night. Um, it, wow. <laughs> Yeah. I feel I feel like that ending is going to become a meme the next time the Sandman puts out a bad movie. Yeah. A lot of people have been complaining regarding the Academy about, like, you know, hashtag Oscars so white and hashtag mm. Oscars so male. And, you know, absolutely the Academy should be criticized for this. But I also of think course. that part of the onus is on the studios for their, mm. like, lack of aggressive marketing of these mm-hmm. films and these actors and these voices like, yeah. for instance, Dolomite is my name. Yeah, mm. the Academy's partially to blame for Eddie Murphy not getting a Best Actor nomination. Mm-hmm. But also, part of it is on Netflix for choosing to market The Irishman and Marriage Story and The Two Popes right. more heavily than that. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, Same- I completely forgot about Dolomite is my name, like, even coming out. Um, and I, I actually haven't seen... <laughs> These aren't on my list for ones that I actually... Um, were stri- was striving to see but didn't last year but um like I didn't see Irishman or Marriage Story or Dolomite is my name but I learned about the other two at least through um lack of a better term discourse over Irishman and for Marriage Story it was through the Scarlett Johansson dancing memes and Adam Driver punching the wall memes so <laughs> But yeah, no, that one just kind of went right over Yeah, for me. And we're going to be listing off like our favorite films of this year, our least mm-hmm. favorite films of this year. Yes. Um, and obviously we're going to be like hearing some, where's this, where's that? And most mm-hmm. likely it's just that we didn't get to see it yet. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to go down the list of the films that I di- haven't seen yet, but want mm-hmm. to. And it. then you can go down by on your list. Yeah, I only have a few that I that I I chose the ones that I I was like, damn, I wish I had seen this in a the theater. You know, I wish I really did. I didn't limit myself on my list to mm-hmm. just theatrical stuff. I also included stuff like on streaming services too. So okay, oh, I actually have one of those as well. Cool. All right. So didn't see yet, but want to. Fire, the greatest party that never happened, a mm-hmm. documentary about the Fire Festival. One oh, of the oh my god! Yeah. I think the Netflix one is the one I put down because there were like yeah. two competing Fire Festival docs uh, coming out at the same time from rival streaming services. Yeah, that one from Netflix and then Fire Fraud from Hulu. Mm, I assume. Midsummer. I've mm-hmm. heard this film is really good. I mm-hmm. know you've seen it. I've been meaning mm-hmm. to see it. The problem yeah. is, is that Hereditary was. So unsettling to me. It just like hid way too close to home. I had nightmares afterwards. I just couldn't handle it. It was like one of the best movies that I never want to see again. And I was worried for more of the same with Midsommar since it's like the same director. So So I skipped out. The Farewell. I haven't seen that one, but I've heard about it. I heard it's really good. I will be seeing it soon because it's like on the schedule for my film and lit class Mm -hmm. this semester. And I'm looking forward to seeing it there. Um, I, I'll probably post my thoughts on it on my Twitter afterwards if you guys are all interested in hearing it, which you're probably not. And The Laundromat, mm. Steven Soderbergh's new movie. I've heard mixed things about it, but it does sound interesting to me, so I want to see it anyway. Between Two Ferns, the movie. It's a okay. film adaptation of Zach Galifianakis' web series. I hear it's really funny. Nice. I, so, yeah, looking forward to see that. This one I know you've seen because you will not stop talking about it to me. 
the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. I, I talk about the lighthouse too much. <laughs> I have no good reason for not seeing it. I just never mm. got around to it. Oh my god, you're missing out. <laughs> Marriage story. Have not seen mm. this one yet. Yeah. Probably will in the like the lead up to you know the Academy Awards. Doctor Sleep. Mm. I'm so mad at myself for not seeing that. I was so excited yeah. for it, but I just couldn't find the time. I was so busy with other stuff. Honey Boy, another oh, boy. female directed film that largely got the shaft from the Academy. This one uh, is a biopic of Shia LaBeouf's career, starring oh, Shia LaBeouf playing both his father and then his current adult self. <laughs> oh, Shia LaBeouf. Ford versus Ferrari. We talked mm-hmm. about a bit, bit about this earlier. Have not seen it yet. Here it's good. Mm-hmm. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be honest here. I never had as big of an attachment to Mr. Rogers as most mm-hmm. people on the internet, mainly because he's, like, a bit too old for me by, like, by about a couple mm-hmm. years. Like, a little bit before my time. Um, yeah, totally. I didn't see the documentary about him, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I did like it, but I didn't, like, love it yeah. like everyone else did, again, for that same yeah. reason. The Two Popes. Two it's Popes. A, it's a movie with Anthony Hopkins as Pope Benedict and Jonathan Price oh, as yeah. uh, Pope Francis. I love both of those yeah. actors, especially Jonathan Price. And mm-hmm. I would like to see it. It just yeah. you know, hasn't happened yet. Togo. Uh, it's a Disney Plus okay. original movie with Willem Dafoe as mm-hmm. like one of the sled dog dr- drivers, like delivering medicine. Yeah. Togo being like one of the dogs that did the bulk of the work before Balto swooped in and took the credit. Yeah. I do like Willem Dafoe, and I. It does yeah. sound like a good movie. Like, yeah. I honestly haven't heard much word of mouth about it. I haven't I'm heard ho- anything about it at all. I'm hoping Disney Plus ups their game for the original movies, too. Apparently, one of their original movies, Timmy mm-hmm. Failure, Mistakes Were Made, is going to be screening at Sundance this year. Really? Which, when's the last time a Disney film's been screened at Sundance? That's kind of crazy. And uh, I'm not sure if this counts as a movie. Do it anyway. John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Yeah. I, I hear seen that one really, either. I, I hear it's really good. It sounds just like my cup of tea, like a quasi-ironic. Yeah. Like, yeah. kids special with John Mulaney and, like, a bunch of celebrity guest stars. Yeah. I did, I, what I've mainly seen is, like, clips online of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mr. Music, which mm-hmm. is exactly my shit. Yeah. So how about you? What have you not seen this year that you've been mean this past year that you've been meaning to? Some of these might be, like, surprising as well. Um, so I'm going to start off with scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, which is one that I wanted to see. I didn't see that either. Yeah, I I really liked the book growing up, so I really wanted to see it. And then the time came and went, and I didn't. Um, I wanted to, but did not see Klaus, which I still can, so that's good. That one I It's on Netflix. Exactly. So even though it's no longer technically the holiday season, I might do that anyway, because screw it. Hell you yet, should. Klaus. Yeah. Next is I had this one. I even had the chance to see um, because uh, my mom actually wanted to see it with me, but instead we saw something else. 
Um, but what that was, huh? What do you see instead of that? Uncut gems. Yeah, it was a good choice. Um, I'm so curious what your mother thought of uncut gems. Um, <laughs> she, um, so she liked it a lot. Um, she, uh, thought that it was going to be more about the minors that are shown for a brief second in the beginning. She was like, yeah, they showed them in the beginning. So I thought it was going to be more about them. That would have been cool. And I was like, but it, I, I guess so. But that's not really the, the point, <laughs> you know? Um, but I only yeah, ask because I hear like a lot of reports from people like who went in expecting like t- a typical Adam Sandler movie and instead oh, got yeah. that and then just literally like walk out in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. No, no. She knew what she was getting into. I told her like, yeah, no, this is not, this is not an Adam Sandler movie. It's um, a movie with Adam Sandler in it. Exactly. This is a movie where he actually plays a character, not the same character he always plays. So we had seen Uncut Gems instead of Knives Out. Um, oh, that one's so good. Yeah. So I so it was a good 50-50. Either way, I would have come out happy, I, I think. But um, I'm upset that I didn't get to see Knives Out yet. I still probably could. Um, next is I wanted to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I didn't get to. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire... Um, is I know it's a horror movie about a painter and it's French and that's what I know about it but I really wanted to see it because <laughs> I like um I just I just like saw like what a still from it or something like that and I went yeah I'm totally down you know and then the last two that I haven't seen but I really wanted to see and these ones I I I'm so upset about and that is I haven't seen us and I'm so mad that I didn't get to see us because I actually like planned to see it I had set aside time to see it and stuff like that but then the the time came and went because I think I was waiting on someone else who wanted to see it who then we wound up not seeing it and it was just like oh wait a second my most unfortunate miss of the year has to be Parasite. Ah, oh, so good. I know. I'm so mad I didn't see Parasite. I mean, but... you'll probably get the chance to see it now that it's nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I definitely first, will see it. First South <laughs> Korean film will. to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everything I've seen and heard about that movie, like, oh my God, I want to see it so bad still. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are my haven't seen um my we'll call it the list of shame <laughs> that's a good that's a good list of shame yeah many of these i'm also ashamed of not seeing yet yeah speaking of shame uh-huh. there are some movies that came out this year that the people involved should be ashamed of uh-huh. we call these our dishonorable mentions yeah i have two <laughs> I, have, I have two as well i feel like one of them might be the same i, have I think feeling... so too if I have a feeling too. Shall we count down three, two, one? Yes. All right, ready? Three, three two, two, 
two, one, no Oh. No, that wasn't the same at all. <laughs> what kind of best friends are we? You know, I didn't put Noel on my list because I erased Noel from my memory somehow. So I, now you've got three on your dishonorable mention? I now have three. Let's talk about Noel first. Um, yeah, we discussed Noel prior, but let's just say it's very bland and, oh, Anna Kendrick, oh, Bill Hader. What are you doing here? It just. <laughs> Do something else. I don't understand how you can get such a cast together and mm. then just come up with nothing, even on yeah. accident. It's not even like, there's like regular mediocre and then so mm. bad it's good. This is like a strange version of like so mediocre that it becomes mm. outright horrendous. Yes. Its plot is confused. Its tone is confused. Its characters are all absolutely intolerable when they're not being like cloying yeah it has a complete la forced whimsy yeah it goes right back around to a complete lack of whimsy it's yeah it's just ah oh, god that was supposed i i mentioned this again in the first days of disney plus that was supposed to go in theaters yeah they almost put that in theaters and they, they were gonna charge you 15 dollars to see that Thank God they didn't, but they should have hid it from the public entirely. <laughs> yeah. Just um, put it on the shelf until it gets to the point where it can't do any damage to those actors' careers. Like a little elf on the shelf, except it's Noel <sighs> in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. One so, of the worst Christmas films I have ever seen. Agreed. Lowers the bar for Christmas films from now on. And... Possibly film in general. I don't know. Only time will tell. Yeah. So, um, I chose cats <laughs> in that. Um, I thought you were going to say cats um, because that one just made me like, I went into cats. I think I died for an hour and 49 minutes and then came back to life an hour and 49 minutes later. And that, that bit of time in between was the afterlife. And that afterlights was Cats 2019. Um, Heaven or hell? A strange, strange purgatory. <laughs> it was so terrible and terrifying and draining. But yet I could not tear my eyes, my poor little eyes away. I was both bored and intrigued. I was roped in yet cast out of everything I knew out of my own reality of my own body I why why did Idris Elba look like that naked as a cat why are any of them naked like some of them I sometimes wear clothes why not have all of them wear clothes <laughs> so yeah I really, really do love Mr. Mistopheles and Skimpleshanks, the railway cat. They, um, they have rights. The rest of them are otherworldly demons who can, who can disappear forever. Honest, honestly, I actually, I was surprised how much <laughs> I actually really enjoyed Taylor Swift's performance in that movie. I think she's the only one. <laughs> she's the one who embarrasses herself. 
the least in that movie. And that by, by that, I mean, like, barely any at all. Like, it's a sliding scale of who embarrasses themselves the most. All of them embarrass themselves <laughs> at least a little bit. But Taylor yeah. Swift definitely comes out of this with most of her dignity intact. She, act, she actually knows what she's doing for the most she, part. For she the first. does, but she also, like, the entire song, the way she's singing it, I was trying to pinpoint what was off about it for me. Like, the... Because it sounded like her, but also she was singing it, in it, singing it in a certain way. And the way that I... The only thing I can compare it to is she sounded the way that Marilyn Monroe did singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President to JFK. That very, like, breathy, weird... And and she used it for cats. I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think it fits, like, the character she's playing. You know, she plays, like, the gangster's mall, his right-hand girl. It it fits. Yeah, it fits, but I don't like it. I don't like hearing Taylor Swift like that. The reason Cats isn't on my dishonorable mentions list is that I couldn't bring myself to hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you haven't seen the stage musical. I have seen the stage musical. Thanks, oh. online ticket lotteries. <laughs> so I hadn't seen it prior, but I did looked up, like, some clips from it. Um, because the whole thing was taped on video in 1998. Yeah, so I've watched uh, the Rum Tum Tugger song and Magical Mr. Mistopheles. And let me tell you, Magical Mr. Mistopheles would not leave my head for two whole weeks. And it has re-inhabited it um, right now. That's the thing. Those songs are like irritatingly catchy. Yes, I love them, actually. Um, and you know what? That's fine. I but, am a Mr. Mistopheles fan. I'm a Mr. Mistopheles stan, let me correct myself, all the way. <laughs> the, see, the reason I couldn't bring myself to hate Cats the movie is that it's, like, very much Cats the show for me. Mm-hmm. It, like, say what you will about it. They definitely captured, or at least made their best effort to capture, like, Cats's appeal in yeah. film form. Like, obviously, they, like ever so slightly expanded the plot a bit but even then like really not by much because when i saw it on stage i like come in it's just like one cat sing their song after the other and i'm like oh wait oh this is the show yeah okay then yeah and that's that's the weird and that's the thing it's just you know the reason that cats the movie it's functionally Mm -hmm. the same it's equally stupid yeah. It's just that Catch the Movie comes off as worse because, A, that fuck-awful CGI. Yeah. Why do they and, look like that? <laughs> why do they have human noses is what I'm why wondering. That's, the, like that. that's, what, that's what most sure. And the fact that, like, cat-sized but, like, have there's themselves have human proportions makes everything look off in their environment. Yes. Like, they're the right size but somehow still looks too, too big. Yeah. And also the wild miscasting in certain spots. Like, James Corden and Rebel Wilson have no business playing no. the characters they're playing. They no. come off of this the worst. Why does she eat those cockroaches like that? <laughs> Why does she eat the human bug people like that? I don't like it. Why so... is James Corden eating literal garbage? The song's about how he likes <laughs> fine food. 
Yeah. Just want to make more fat jokes. The song's already a fat joke. You don't need to add fat joke on top of fat joke. Yeah. The third reason why Cats the movie falls flat is that Tom Hooper is mediocre to terrible mm-hmm. at directing movie musicals. Yes. Like, I think he the only... He finished it the morning of. <laughs> and it sends. <laughs> no, he, he didn't even finish it. They had to update yeah. the film to, like, fix some CGI in certain spots. Like, James, so James, Judy Dench's human hand at the end. I ask people when they see it and come out completely scarred, I ask them if they went in and they saw the glitched version or if they saw the neutered version. Uh, it's all the neutered version because they all don't have genitals. Oh, my God. But, I, okay, so I think the only musical numbers that Tom Hooper actually pulls off in this movie mm-hmm. are the Mungo, Jerry, and Rumple teaser sequence okay. and Macavity. Okay. And then... And then, like, stuff like Rum Tum Tugger and Magical Mr. Mistopheles and mm-hmm. Gus the Theater Cat, they have their moments, but they don't quite hit the mark. Yeah, I couldn't understand half of what um, Ian McKellen was saying <laughs> in that scene. And then the rest of, the, of it is just bad. Like, the shot composition's bad, the editing's oh, yeah. bad. It's yeah. just, just stop making movie musicals, Tom Hooper. Yeah. Let someone who actually knows how to direct... Because that's actually a really hard thing to do. Like, carry yeah. it. And then that's another thing. Because you don't have the spectacle of watching on stage in comparison of Falls Flat. It's because flat. Yeah, Cats doesn't have much of a story. It's just, you know, the dancing and the singing and the cat costumes. And, you know, all the tourists with their families go home happy. That's how it lasted oh. for, like, a little under two decades on Broadway. You know, I really think this movie, you could re-edit a few things. Um, Not like the horrendous cat for people uh, things, but um, I mean, like, you you can edit it in a certain way. um, And it would just be a straight-up horror movie. It would be like a, like a trippy, just really unsettling horror experience. I'm waiting for someone to do that. Someone should do that. Um, yeah. What's your next uh, worst movie? <laughs> um, my other dishonorable mention for 2019 is Joker. I see. It's... Yeah. And it, it's bad. It even, <laughs> it's even do enough to inspire hate like Noel. I just found it boring and stupid. But the main objection to it, it's got this real, and I don't think it was intentional, but it's definitely there. It's got this really ugly right-wing bent to it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you picked it up on this as well. Like, it portrays, like, these um, class protesters, you know, Gotham City's underclass protesting for, like, Mm -hmm. more fair treatment as just, like, this raving horde of violent lunatics. Like, they never give, like, a defined what they want yeah. Or anything, they just seem to want to hate rich people and cause mayhem. And then yeah. at the end, you like just see them cheering Joker and just like this violent math mob horde. And meanwhile, you've got Robert De Niro's character, and then like the cop mm-hmm. at the end speaking to a and to a lesser extent, I guess Thomas Wayne, like speaking to mm-hmm. him with like what the film frames as like a sense of moral authority. Yeah. And and just it's weird. It's because it it, it, it almost feels like. So part of the um, 
the plot or part of the framing in the beginning is that those are like untrustworthy um, things, you know, that you shouldn't trust the, these sources of power. So, but at yeah. the end, they're right about Arthur and they're right about the protesters. Yeah. And, you know, so much for the, the tolerant left. Maybe Batman's parents would have still been alive if it wasn't for them. Yeah, it's wild. What a. Now, I know I just spoiled Joker. Okay. I'll put a, a warning in the description, <laughs> but. Warning, Joker spoilers. If you've seen Joker, it, you, it's already been spoiled because yeah. you watched Joker. Yeah, or if you've, it, honestly, at this point, if you've heard any, like, discussion about it, you probably know, so. Yeah, it's, ah, oh God, it's just, and it's very, and it's just boring. I mean, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is very good in it, and the moments where it allows itself to be funny are actually mm-hmm. pretty engaging. Mm-hmm. But it's just so fucking humorless. And I'm hearing, like, Todd Phillips say, that he's not directing comedy films anymore because everything's, like, too woke and PC. Mm-hmm. But honestly, just stick to that. The moments where it's, like, funny are, like, the most engaging parts, and then the rest mm-hmm. is just... You know, if I wanted to watch Taxi Driver, I'd watch Taxi Driver. If I wanted to watch King of yeah. Comedy, I'd watch King of Comedy. Yeah. And it's nominated for 11 Oscars, and Todd Phillips is nominated for Best Director. When he, it, and this is, like, his second prestige film that's pretty much Diet Scorsese. Did you see yeah. War Dogs' previous film? I have not. It's Diet Wolf of Wall Street. It sucks. Oof. And even I... then, the only redeeming factor is a good performance by one of its leads. War Dogs mm. has Jonah Hill and um, Joker is Joaquin Phoenix. Otherwise, yeah. it's just completely worthless and disposable. Yeah, I got... Um, I think I am going to develop lung problems in the near... Uh, future because of watching Joker um, because of how much I how much smoking was happening on screen I just started like I felt my throat start like wanting to cough even though there was no smoke in the room (laughs) and that's the feeling that Joker left me with just like I needed to clear my throat and get a nice uh, I, I needed some fresh air um, and I needed to be back in reality and not, tom- and not, um, and not that little weird world. So what was else was on your dishonorable mentions list? You've got one more, right? The last one on my dishonorable mentions list, um, is it was so bland that I almost forgot to put it on here. Um, but then I remembered how much I hated it, and that's Velvet Buzzsaw, which happened this year. Um, I hated Velvet Buzzsaw. Not even Jake Gyllenhaal could save it. Um, it's from the same director as Nightcrawler, which also starred Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yes. So, um, Nightcrawler? I love Nightcrawler. That's a great movie. I haven't seen Velvet Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw is a half-assed satire um, supposed to be comedy also horror movie about the art world and most of the jokes don't land so like the satirical ones about like the art world with like 
racism and uh, weird stuff like that um, come across as you're not sure if the movie's actually like satirizing them or joking about them. You know, the tone's just off. Um, it's not very clever or creative. You have a horror movie about the art world works of art come to life and kill people, you know? Like, that should be so fun, but they're not. Most of them are very boring. Some lady, I think, turns into paint at the end, and a tattoo saws a lady in half. Those should be exciting, but they're not. And so that movie makes me sad. So now we've gotten our worst, so we can move on to the best. But before we get into our, my top ten and your top five... Yeah. Best films of 2019. Why don't we list off some honorable mentions, those that weren't quite good enough to make the cut for whatever okay. reason or another. Um, most of mine, um, let me just say, are going to be a little bit, they're a bit all over the place. Most of them I put on this list for the same exact reason, which was I just enjoyed seeing them. Um, whether they're actually good or not, I just enjoyed seeing them. And you know what? This was a year for... Movies that um, some of them I went in and saw and was very disappointed by because I was expecting more. And But the beginning of the year was pretty strong with movies that I wasn't expecting much of or were, were bad in their own right, but I still very, very much enjoyed and liked the experience of. So, yeah. These are just movies that I enjoyed, and I'm going to start that list off um, with probably actually the best one out of the group for me, personally, is Toy Story 4. Um, That's also on my honorable mentions list. Yeah, I enjoyed Toy Story 4 a lot. I agree that it wasn't necessary, but it proved itself a worthwhile story to tell and gave a great send-off to um, some characters and was just all around very sweet. And it was actually beautiful to look at. Like, the animation was stunning. And, yeah, it was nice. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I think Toy Story 4 shouldn't have been called Toy Story 4. I think mm-hmm. back to, like, how Francis Ford Coppola didn't want The Godfather Part 3 to be called The Godfather Part 3. He mm-hmm. wanted to be called The Death of Michael Corleone. Because yeah. he didn't see it has like a full-on third installment he saw it more yeah. as an epilogue to the series and that's totally how i feel it's like it's, it's best approach toy story 4 yeah. it's not like a big def- definitive conclusion to the saga like mm-hmm. toy story 3 was it's just like you know a, a little here's what happened after yeah. with that focuses on like a select few characters i feel like they should have just called it like toy story and then subtitle like yeah I don't know, like Toy Story Family Reunion or Toy Story (laughs) Road Trip or Toy Story, hey, Annie Potts is getting work. Be happy about that. Yeah, I think what lasted, what stood out to me the most for that movie, at least like for a few months after, um, is sometimes I still like close my eyes and I see those really, really terrifying dolls that chase after Woody and others. um, And I see their uh, big... Um, staring eyes in my mind sometimes and they were terrifying and those stuck with me 
I feel like we're underplaying how good the movie is. It is genuinely a great movie. Like, I blubbered like a baby at the end of it. Yeah, no. You know, it's these characters that I have such an attachment to from, like, my my childhood. And I know that's not a very intellectual way to view movies, but it's it's affecting all the same. You can just enjoy a movie, you know? All right, so my first honorable mention is Uncut Gems. Nice. Fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. Not quite good enough to make into the top ten, in my opinion. It's Mm -hmm. considered like a number 11. Holy shit, is it amazing. Yeah. It is is just... Adam Sandler's fantastic in it. He was robbed, as we mentioned before. Yeah. It's one of the most nerve-wracking movies that I've seen as of recent. (laughs) And it's nerve-wracking... This is amazing because, you know, he just keeps bringing it on to himself. Yeah. Like, it's all his fault, but at the same time, you can't help but worry for him anyway. Especially if you don't know the results of the 2012 NBA Finals like I did. Yeah. I didn't. I don't keep up with that, so I had no idea. Yeah. And... And the trailers completely didn't sell that there's, like, a weird mysticism vibe to it in regards to the Opal. Yeah, Yeah, it was so, um, I was like, oh, is there some magic going to happen? Like, I didn't even know, like, an uncut gem actually figured into the plot from the trailer. I just figured, like, it was, like, a double meaning title. Yeah. But it's, and the whole cast is great. I mean, obviously, this is really much Adam Sandler's tour de force. So the rest of them don't even get that much to do. But, you know, Julia Fox, uh, yeah. Lakeith Stanfield, Kevin Garnett in his first acting job. He is great. I mean, he's playing himself, but he is genuinely very good in it, especially, yeah. like, near the end, like, his final big scene with Adam Sandler. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it here, but holy shit, that ending. Like, yeah, that was so good. I had, like, an audible reaction that theater. And it was just yeah. me in that theater and a woman in, like, the back corner because I saw it in the afternoon on a weekday. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a genuinely great movie all, all around. Like, the look, it's got this, like, nice, like, I hesitate to say grimier, but it's mm-hmm. definitely, like, in a scummy look to it. Yeah. And I hope that not getting nominated means this, is the, this isn't the last of we see of like at ad- prestige actor Adam Sandler Same. for a while. I like hope I want to get some more character roles um that are a bit of a, a divergence from what he usually does. <laughs> Whatever that may be. Yeah, it because he he's playing an absolutely detestable piece of shit here. Yes. Like usually Adam Sandler plays like man children or like that you're supposed to affable pay for nice whatever guys. reason. <laughs> or, or like affable nice guys. Yeah. Here he he's just this straight up amoral jackass. Yes. Who just like hedonistically pursues his own ones with little to no regard for anyone else. Yeah. I, it's a good movie. Um next I am going to hmm, I think I really, really enjoyed um, the Rocco's Modern Life movie, uh, Static Cling, that came out this year. 
I thought that was very nice, very funny, um, and was just like such a. I don't. I don't know how. It just made me so happy. You know, it's one of those things that I watched it and like I wasn't expecting um, a plot line like that at all. But it was so nice to see it so well done. And by yeah. Rocco's Modern Life, cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I've never had an attachment to Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. Like I haven't watched much of it, yeah. but I did very much enjoy that. I think mm-hmm. the only reason it's not on my honorable mentions list is that I decided that it wasn't long enough. To justify calling a movie, I'd okay. call it like more of a, a short film. But I, I definitely did enjoy it. But in a similar vein, one of mm. my honorable mentions for this year is another Nickelodeon mm. thing that premiered on Netflix. Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. Yes. Holy shit, is this movie awesome. Yeah. Like it's the grand return of Zim that all of us 2000s kids have been wanting for like decades. Yes. And researching on like message boards and wikis yeah. wondering and when it was going to happen because it was looking up a while ago looking up old scripts yeah totally and like listening for rumors and it finally happened and i don't know if this is the last we'll ever see of them but holy shit what a return it is yeah. hysterically funny yeah lots of tremendous satire in there on apple um mm-hmm you actually genuinely get some pathos out of these characters. Like, if you had told me, like, a decade ago that that Invader Zim would actually be showing a heart in 2019, I would have thought you were absolutely nuts. Yeah. But both Zim and Div genuinely get to see, not much, because, you know, it's still Invader Zim, but they still get to, like, have an inner life and, like, you know, yeah, a few totally. genuinely heartfelt moments. And I think it does really cement for me, like, one of the sad ironies of Invader Zim as a premise is mm-hmm. that Zim and Dib are mortal enemies, but at the same time, they are the only one that could ever possibly understand each other. And it's also gorgeous to look at, you know, big bump at the action sequence in, like, the finale is truly spectacular yeah um so many great lines just great seeing all these characters back again it's it's like it's like them never left which is weird because the whole premise of that like revolves around them being absent for like a a long time period of time yeah so yeah we had some good nickelodeon comebacks this year my next choice for an honorable honorable mention um is a movie that left left me astoundedly confused but I enjoyed it nonetheless with a plot that makes no sense and that was Detective Pikachu Um, I just really loved Ryan Reynolds playing a um a very tired, very hyperactive Pokemon that was very, very great. And I have no idea. Like, his career is so strange to me because he started out with, like, rom-coms and stuff like that and was in a lot of really great um, and respected movies. And then he was Deadpool, um, which were, like, fun and stuff and good. You're forgetting Van Wilder. 
Yeah, they were getting very wild and very strange. No, Van um, Wilder. That was the start of his career, the National Lampoon movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were just saying his roles were getting wilder. And, I mean, I agree with that, too, because the last one was um, uh, 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 Electric Rat. So I'm excited to see... Um, Free Guy? Huh? Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds movie that's coming out yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> I, that one looks fun. Yeah. And, hey... If it either doesn't become a hit or mm -hmm. just gets forgotten or gets mm -hmm. critically trashed, we get to cover it in five years down the line on Lost in the Vault. Totally. Um, you know, 20th Century Fox. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed Detective Pikachu when I didn't think about it for more than two minutes because the plot doesn't make any sense. It's so strange. It kept surprising me with how stupid it was. But also, you know what? Great. It made me laugh a lot, so. I did like Detective Pikachu. I think my main problem with it that keeps mm -hmm. it from being like a better movie in my eyes mm -hmm. is that I'm going to compare it to Roger Rabbit because that's the film it's like sharing the most DNA with. Right. It doesn't seem to know who is the Roger Rabbit and who is the Eddie Valiant. Oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Either. And that confusion that like keeps it from like shining as much as it should, in my totally. opinion. Totally. Yeah. What's All your... right. All right. My next honorable mention is a Harmony Corinne film. It's called The Beach Bum. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're at all familiar with this. It stars Matthew McConaughey as oh a poet mm -hmm. who hasn't written any poetry in a while. He's just, like, lazing about in Florida. Yeah. Drinking, getting high, getting in trouble with the law. And just leaning back on his wife, played by Isla Fisher's mm -hmm. money, because, you know, she's loaded. And yeah. then the trails don't show this, but she dies in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And he can only inherit her money if he writes a book of poems. So he, like, embarks on all these adventures. He, you know, gets high on a boat with Jimmy Buffett and Snoop Dogg, which, you know... Already, that makes it an amazing film in my eyes. Yeah. Zac Efron, he showed up with like a, a Jesus freak in rehab. He's, and that's genuinely very fun. Mm -hmm. I think Jonah Hill's in it as well. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, he definitely is. He like plays Matthew McConaughey's agent. And it's just like this wild stream of consciousness where you're just like thin back and going along yeah. for the ride. And you just sort of, like, feel like you're in this, in, like, fun Florida environment where, like, yeah. nothing really matters. And you can just have a nice time, chill, drink, and get high with your buddies. Nice. Sounds I, fun. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Uh, this is the only I, It seems like I, something I should check out. <laughs> I, I plan on seeing more at some point. But, yeah, definitely the beach bum's very good. All right. My next one is Glass. Okay. It's the third and final film in M. Night Shyamalan's oh, Unbreakable Shyamalan. Trilogy. Yeah, how was it? Many people didn't like it. I loved it. Nice. I thought it was fantastic. Bruce Willis, I felt, was engaging enough in it. Mm -hmm. At least, I mean, I feel like he could be a bit more engaging, but I, I did still was able to like see that he's actually giving a shit for once. Totally. Recently. James McAvoy, right? Yeah, James McAvoy. He... Mm -hmm. 
he's generally he's given like a very similar performance. He give gave and split, and that's fine. It's still very good. I mean, many people have said that like split is problematic, and I I don't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think what what his connection with Unbreakable establishes gives it enough of a distinction from any like actual mental disorder for me mm-hmm. to like look past it. But again, I'm not neurodivergent myself, so take my opinion with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And and um, of course Samuel L. Jackson, you yeah. know, it's named after his character, and he gave a great performance on Breakable. He gives a great performance in here, and he spends most of the movie completely comatose. And yet wow. he just completely owns it with his premise, doing wow. just blinking and staring. Wow. It's that's it's amazing, genuinely actually. tremendous. And the ending is heartbreaking. It, it it's the conclusion I didn't know I wanted for these characters. And okay. Unbreakable is like one of my all-time favorite movies, just oh, wow. to make that clear. So, and then. Next on my honorable mentions list is Us. Nice. I know you said you haven't Long seen it yet. That I, I, I'm like crying in a corner over here that I haven't seen it because um, oh I'm my not God. Gonna, I'm not going to spoil it. Good. But it's scary as shit. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o gives a great performance. Yeah. Imagery is well, always so great. Much. Jordan Peele's got a great directorial eye for these mm-hmm. things. Supporting yeah. cast is really good. Only thing that brings it down for me is the twist ending. Okay. The twist ending brings it down for me like just enough that it got knocked off the top ten. Okay. Like cool. the thing it muddles up the metaphors or like the sociopolitical points it's trying to make a bit. It just feels contrived in general. Like I think the film would have been stronger without it. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I've seen a lot yeah. of that like sentiment. Totally. Okay, so now I know I'm not alone. All right, so you do your last honorable mention, and I'll do my last honorable mention. All right, mine might come as a surprise, honestly. It came as a surprise to me, too. But the more I thought about it, um, the more I thought it should be here. First off, let me say, uh, it came out in, I believe, the spring or late winter. And it is actually a Christmas movie. So I was mad that it didn't actually come out at the time of year it was, I think it should have. But that movie is Shazam. Shazam. That Shazam. Was, I did genuinely enjoy that. that was... DC Shazam. I went in, uh, it was a movie I saw with some people because there, we didn't know what we wanted to see. And one of them didn't like horror movies, so we didn't see... Um, I believe us. us. Yeah, we didn't see us. We saw this instead. Um, Which is weird because this one is actually from a, like a horror director, I believe, yeah, and does definitely is. does have like some scarier elements. It has some pretty. Um, some of the visuals and other things are pretty, uh, pretty scary and stuff. But like, it's definitely like a family film in the '80s sense, where it's, like it's big. Except it's like the movie Big, the Tom Hanks one. Do you know yeah. that? Yeah, it, I know. It, it, it's that, except it's a DC superhero movie. And you know what? It works in its own weird sense. I can't say it's, like, great or anything, but, you know, I applaud DC for trying something very different and succeeding with it. I think they succeeded with it. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. It was very strange. 
And it was a surreal experience to say the least, but uh, it was cool to see that story told and told pretty well. The emotional beats I felt worked really well for me. Yeah, totally. And that movie messed me up a little bit. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) you know, with that, with some of the stuff that happened in it. And like the, and like I say, it's like a uh, family film in the 80s sense that's like not afraid to like scare children a bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that the Shazam 2 in the works, I, nice. I very much look forward to seeing that. I very, I enjoyed it more than Aquaman, which I yeah. liked Aquaman enough. It, it wasn't great. Aquaman I th- I, came out in just, De- okay, so Aquaman came out in December during of Christmas time. Of yeah. 2018. And... Shazam came out in like the um the late winter early spring yeah. and it's it takes place during like the holiday season it takes place during Christmas and they moved it probably because they wanted Aquaman in the more um fruitful spot um what? for like films but it upsets me so I don't see why they put didn't put a Christmas 2019. What's coming out from Warner Brothers at Christmas 2019? Richard Jewell? I, I don't know. So, yeah. Shazam is my last honorable, honorable mention because, you know, good times. It was a good time. My last honorable mention is The Lonely Island Presents The Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience. Nice. This was a video album by The Lonely Island released through... Oh, wait, no, I have two more. Sorry. <laughs> this isn't my last one. This mm. is my second to last one. Yeah, this is a video album released by Netflix from The Lonely Island. It is a concept album yeah. about the Bash Brothers, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, these two steroid-abusing baseball players. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's The Lonely Island. It's funny, but it's also genuinely fantastic music. Nice. And, you know... They've really upped their music video game. I, I think Jorma Tacone directed this, and he's always had like a very good directorial eye. Like Hot Rod is one of my favorite comedies mm-hmm. ever made. And yeah. I also do very much enjoy Popstar and Never Stop, Never Stopping. Nice. And the imagery they used is, you know, I mean, it's funny, but it's also, if it was like a straight music video, it would actually work pretty well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did enjoy that. And then... My final honorable mention, mm-hmm. I can't believe I almost forgot it, is the Cotton Club Encore. Now, technically, okay. this is a re-edit of a film that came out in the 1980s, Francis Ford Coppola's The Cotton Club. Okay. But he recently went about re-editing it to his original vision because executives mandated they cut most of the black performers out in a movie about the Cotton mm-hmm. Club. Wow. I haven't seen the original cut, but this worked really well with it because it's like a crime epic which i love that genre but the crime epic combined with like an old-time hollywood musical you get okay. like all of these like musical performances and then at at the end you know there's like this big dance number through mm-hmm. grand central station and you're like it should feel weird because it's at the end of a gangster film but at the same time it works out well for me it it just feels right yeah that makes sense and you know the musical performance is obviously a really great. The whole cast is really great. It's got like Richard Gere and Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. and all these Bob Hoskins, all of these genuinely great actors. Yeah. And 
you know, it's nice to see Francis Ford Coppola's vision for this film come out because it genuinely is very good. And yeah. granted, I don't have the, I haven't seen the original film to compare, but I feel like I would favor this new edit because I, I totally. really enjoyed this. Totally. Dallin's top 10 best films of 2019. Number 10, Dolomite is my name. Nice. So good, this movie. You know, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy is, you know, this is his comeback role for a reason. He's in full force on this. Yeah. But, you know, you do get the sense that he's playing a character and not just, like, you know, Eddie Murphy doing his Eddie Murphy thing, which I love Eddie Murphy doing his Eddie Murphy thing. But, yeah. it's, but you know, he is genuinely playing Rudy Ray Moore. He, yeah. like, there's a moment where he, like, first gives one of Rudy Ray Moore's stand-up routines. Mm-hmm. And, like, I listened to, like, Rudy Ray Moore, the actual version of that routine to compare, and he's not doing, like, an impression of Rudy mm-hmm. Ray Moore, but he definitely carries the same energy, and that's okay. really what matters for this performance. And, you know, the whole ensemble cast is genuinely great, too. It's not just the Eddie Murphy show. You know, Tyus Burgess, mm-hmm. Keegan-Michael Key, um, yeah. and especially Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. who just almost steals it as Durville Martin. And the script by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski is is great. You know, they're great writers, and they've written tons of great biopics. You know, people mm-hmm. for Zoj Simpson, uh, Big Eyes, Ed Wood, mm-hmm. and it's just great seeing this story of like this underdog who wants to be somebody and become a star and yeah. does it. And at the same time, finds like a value in being this voice that he didn't even realize he wanted. Like going in in there, like mm-hmm. when he when he sees like how how much he's brought to the lives of people he's, who look like him, and like mm-hmm. you know want to see themselves represented in film. It and it just is a genuinely stellar thing to say and nice. it's, it's a movie about why representation matters yeah. definitely and it carries itself like a depth hand it's deft hand it's not like hitting you over the head with it I, it, it let it lets you know this in like key precise moments it's a very yeah. well crafted screenplay and it's well directed you get a sense of the environment great Craig Brewer, I, this is the only film I've seen of his, but based on this film, it seems like he works with actors really well. Yeah. I, I just enjoyed it entirely. Don't go into nice. it thinking it's going to be like the Eddie Murphy show. It's definitely one of his best performances, but there's a lot to love about this film besides Eddie Murphy. Totally. Number nine, Booksmart. Nice. I almost didn't get to see this film. I did not theaters. see it. They pulled it out of theaters. They released it in May. It mm. flopped. And then yeah. in August, they ended up re-releasing it for, like, a limited time for, like, $5 a ticket. Yeah. You know, because of all the good word of mouth that it got. And it is genuinely hysterical. Did nice. you see any trailers for that movie? You got any idea I what did. it's about? Yeah. Yeah. The, the log line's, like, super bad for girls. And yeah. I... I'm not sure if I can call it that, but it definitely is very funny. It's 
mm-hmm. allows itself to be raunchy, but it doesn't feel like gratuitous for its own sake. Like if it feels naturally raunchy, it yeah. The whole ensemble cast, not just the two main girls, the whole ensemble cast is genuinely great. You get all these mm-hmm. like colorful, wild personalities that yeah. are like very fun, and but at the same time, they like have their own depth and pathos. They're not just like yeah. one note. And it probably has the single funniest usage of Push It by Salt and Peppa I've ever seen in a movie. Nice. I cool. give it a watch. My number five, I think my number five is actually, I'm just going to, it was Avengers Endgame. Um, it was a thrill to see that in a theater. I saw it with you, so I know. It, we saw it opening night. Yeah. You know, theater was packed. Yeah. Not enough air conditioning was getting in there, so we were all sweating like pigs. Yep. I, it was a wild time because I had just, like, received some really, like, bizarre news on the phone right beforehand. And so I went in just being like, okay, my personal life is going to change immensely, you know? And then I'm watching this movie that I've carried this story that I've carried with me for 10 years, my entire, um, like, the entire part of my childhood that I vividly remember through my teenage years into now, you know, it was, like, kind of a life-changing experience, if that makes sense, you know, where, like, a big part of my life just ended with, like, watching the movie itself, but also, um, the things that were happening the past year in my life. And it was just such a nice little like slicing point, if that makes sense. A nice little, yep, here's where we let go. I and love it was very it was a very, very um it's not a perfect movie. Duh, we all know that at this point. Um but it's, it's not my favorite a... of the Marvel movies either. No. That'll be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. But personally, it just hit um, in a certain way, and I needed it when it happened, and it also just it blew my mind. I didn't think a movie could ever do something like that, and it did, and it's the definition of a spectacle movie, so... Yeah, I love seeing films like that, like play to a crowd. Like that whole crowd was going nuts oh, during that yeah. movie, and it was a thrill to be in that audience. Definition you know? of a, it was a game changer for blockbusters, which like it's very hard to change the game for blockbusters, you know. And it's three hours long, but it doesn't feel it. No, you know, you almost it, want it to be longer. <laughs> you it, want it to keep going. It, but at the same, and it did affect me emotionally, like. You were there for this. I oh, sobbed yeah, you were loudly sobbing. and unelegantly. I was that... kind of sitting there stunned um, for 20 different reasons. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a genuinely great time. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my number five because it was, it was partially for the movie, partially for the experience. But, like, it was all around. Um, it's going to stick with me, you know? Number eight for me mm-hmm. is Hustlers. Nice. I haven't. I didn't get to see Hustlers. I should have put that in my uh, wish I'd seen in my shame list. But um, 
There are two great works out right now mm-hmm. about the 2007-2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. There is the there is the always sunny in Philadelphia episode, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. and then there is this Hustlers. Mm-hmm. It's a, again a film in a genre I love, like a dense crime epic. I always yeah. think that like as long in length or like. Mm-hmm. spread out or packed with characters as like usual dense crime epic, but definitely feels that way. Mm-hmm. The characters are so great and like, you know, feel so real. Jennifer Lopez, again, robbed for like a best supporting mm-hmm. actress performance. Yeah. Like def- um As someone who hasn't seen it, I've heard a lot about this movie and I, even I was mad. <laughs> as someone who has no connection to this movie at all, you know, I was like, Really? I and so so many people were talking about her and how great and, she was. And it really let lets you revel in the excesses mm-hmm. of like the pre-financial crisis culture before it like all comes crashing down, which yeah. And I like the big short, but the big short definitely like talked to you about it. Yeah. But Hustlers just lets you feel it. Yeah, totally. And I do think it's worth mentioning that you know, Hustlers has gotten to like a bit of trouble for apparently not paying the people who in the real life people like inspired the story or Oof. something along those lines. Something regarding that. I think the woman who Jennifer Lopez is portraying is suing. Oh, wow. But I do genuinely think it is a great film on its own past, past that. It's funny it's genuinely thrilling it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking spots and yeah. you know you really get the sense of like you know this whole the one shot we had like post 9-11 optimism lost yeah in, the, in that movie you, you know yeah and yeah that's my number eight my number seven is avengers endgame and you know we already discussed yeah that. so your turn my number four We've also already discussed it, um, and that's Uncut Gems. It made my top five list, honestly. I was just so astounded at this movie because I was not expecting anything from it, to be completely honest. Not, And that's mostly because I didn't go in knowing anything about... I mean, I still don't know anything about the director or anything like that, but I had seen a trailer and been like, oh okay interesting that Adam Sandler's playing something different good for him you know and then I didn't think about it again and then suddenly everyone was like Amanda have you seen Uncut Gems and I was like no why would I and then I did actually see it and it was astounding it was very very good I was like probably white knuckle my knuckles were probably white from like clenching onto my uh, seat in the theater It was very nerve-wracking to see him go down this, to see Adam Sandler's character go down such a rabbit hole of self-caused, delusional... um, Misery. Misery, yeah. Yeah. Really good. And he, like, has this moment, almost this moment of clarity near the end. Yeah. And then... Immediately when things start turning around, he he goes right back into his shit. Right back. And even worse, 
this time. And yeah, it's very, very good. Go see it. Like there's a simple solution right there, but he's got to go for the bolder plan. Yeah. Because it's about the thrill for him, I guess. Yeah. So that's my number four. My number six, Parasite. (laughs) Nice. Parasite. I mentioned in Always Always Sunny in Philadelphia earlier. Mm-hmm. Parasite to me felt like like three different Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes mashed together mm-hmm. in nice. the best possible way. Nice. Like Always Sunny in Philadelphia played for pathos. Like you no, know, because you start out with like this family of like lower class people embarking on this scam, mm-hmm. and then it just escalates and escalates into mm-hmm. like absolute lunacy and it's hilarious but it's also genuinely saddening and yeah. there's this one particular moment near the end that I'm not going to give away mm-hmm. that it's just going to be like stuck in my head probably forever and Bong Joon-ho is a genuinely great filmmaker like Mother mm-hmm. is also another great very upsetting movie from him mm-hmm. yeah this is a genuinely fantastic work it's i don't i don't know what to say about it other than wow yeah (laughs) yeah it's just very i can't even describe why i like it so i just do yeah sometimes it'd be like that but i think again the mark it is i should emphasize like how really funny it is nice yeah i've heard i when the more i hear about it i'm like wait it's both funny and as like uh thrilling and dramatic as like it is you know very few movies can do that so well so to the level that i've heard it praised so yeah number five for me mm-hmm. klaus nice klaus That's wanting to watch so klaus is so good but i i want to see it because you know i will always support traditional animation yeah totally but as a genuinely great story on top of that like the story about like how just you know people being nice to one another can just create this like spreading effect of making the world a better place is yeah. is, is just amazing to watch there's a great uses of like different narrative devices and montages to mm-hmm. show this change happening both in these characters and wide in society yeah the cast is all great, especially, um, you know, Jason Schwartzman and Jay King Simmons make a great comic team. It gave mm-hmm. me a lot of, like, reminders of Emperor's New Groove. Like, the film feels like Emperor's New Groove, but if it was a Christmas movie. And I mean right. that in the best possible way. I think it takes itself a touch more seriously than Emperor's New Groove, but you know what I mean. Rashida Jones, Joan Cusack, mm-hmm. uh, Norm MacDonald, all great. Again, the animation is gorgeous. Yeah. The way they've done it is that it's animated traditionally, but they looked at it, okay, if CGI never existed, how would traditionally animated movies look now? And they okay. shaded it accordingly. So there's like dimensionality to it that I haven't seen in traditional animation pretty much ever. Okay. And it really just shows what can be done in traditional animation that currently or possibly ever just can't be done in CGI. Or maybe yeah. won't be done in CGI. Like all of these like little touches and exaggeration and totally. how characters move. Totally. And who knows, maybe that'll change as like the technology advances. Like 
the Hotel Transylvania movies and especially Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse have gotten pretty damn close. But mm-hmm. yeah, right now, Klaus definitely shows them how it's done. I'm definitely rooting it for it to win Best Animated Feature. Um, my number three is going to have to be Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Um, wow. <laughs> this movie, uh, just wow. I, um, I haven't seen, I know that he's done another, I believe, drama before. Fun for the Wilder people, I think. That's the one. I haven't seen I've, that either. I've I only haven't... seen Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. And of course, Jojo Rabbit. I've seen, I had only seen those two before. So I was like, okay, yeah, this is a guy who can do comedy and hit like some emotional beats. So like, um, I was, I was both frightened and excited to see this movie because it's such a heavy subject to handle and I didn't know what it was going to be. And I left the theater just astounded. Um, It's it's hilarious, but it's also haunting. It really, really is. It's one of those movies that um, I felt so much in every scene. I was laughing, but I was also terrified. And I, it speaks to so many things that um, happened and now are happening in, and are just the, the way that um uh children specifically like young boys um and how the world gets to them you know and how they receive the messages that the world is telling them you know how they're absorbing things it's it it, you can make a a direct tie to like the way like people are growing up nowadays and stuff like that you know younger um younger kids it's repeating like, like a very heavy lines. yeah and a very heavy political climate and stuff and how that affects kids and basically in a way militarizes their minds it's scary and it's a beautiful movie that is also astoundingly funny um sometimes completely out of the blue there is a there are moments of just straight Taika Waititi comedy that I am not expecting because there are it's just so um you get something very emotional and then a pun you know uh, a joke based around a, a stupid pun but it's so funny and it's so good and it's heart wrenching go watch it in terms of filmmaking there's a definite like stylization to it yeah but at the same time the style doesn't like overtake the movie it's very much like an actor's film it's definitely oh yeah you know great performances in this um all around you know the children are great Mm -hmm. um scarlett johansson i know a lot of people have been snarking about her dual nominations in in the wake of like hashtag oscars so white and again, yeah. I haven't seen Marriage Story, but she absolutely deserved that Best Supporting nomination for Jojo Rabbit. I was surprised how much I liked her in Jojo Rabbit because I personally um, am not a huge fan. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, I can get behind this, you know. So, Sam Rockwell's but, great in it. Yeah. And let's, and of course, Taika Waititi as imaginary friend Adolf Hitler. Both 
hilarious and at times terrifying. Oh, yeah. He definitely, like, especially near the end, like, genuinely gives off this it's so, menace it's a, to him. Yeah. It, it, it requires a lot of nuance, and I'm glad he took... Apparently, he said that he only did the role because that was the only way he could get the film made if he himself played Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. And but honestly, he is great for it. I'm glad it seems like mm-hmm. he's picking up as both a director and an actor. He's going to be playing the villain in mm-hmm. Free Guy. So I'm glad and to see that that for Taika Waititi. He deserves the world. Another reason I heard he actually decided to play him was because he didn't want it to be a. He didn't want the focus of the movie to be, um, or at least the media surrounding the movie to be about like a certain actor and their portrayal of Adolf Hitler, because, like, he felt that if that was... If he had had someone else do it, that would have been the case. Um, If you had gotten any star to play Adolf Hitler, the media was going to all talk about that person's performance, you know? I Um, feel like a lot of the (laughs) media was focusing on Taika Waititi himself playing Hitler. Yeah. So I think it was smart of him to um, do it himself, because um, he did amazing, and he, yeah, this movie was great through and through. My number four, Knives Out. Nice. You haven't seen this yet. I have not. I can't talk about why Knives Out is so good without giving away the game that it's playing, mm-hmm. because it has this like big narrative hook that mm-hmm. the trailers wisely are not showing you. Even based on what the trailers show you, it's a whodunit film, Fantastic ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Everyone in it is great. And it's genuinely hilarious. Daniel Craig plays a Louisiana detective. He speaks in like a Louisiana French accent. And mm-hmm. he has like a lot of weird sayings. And his name is Benoit Blanc. And it's a tight, very lean screenplay. Nothing's wasted there. I'd like to see how it works on repeat viewing, definitely. I haven't, I've only seen it the once. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it's getting a sequel. And then number three is Jojo Rabbit. We are, but we already discussed that at length. Yes. My number two is, unsurprisingly, um, Midsummer. Um, I love this movie. This is a movie that... In the theater, as it was going on, I, um, at first I thought it was almost too reliant on some of the shock horror that it was using. Um, but then as it continued on and didn't let up, but flushed out, uh, fleshed out its, um, world and its tone a little bit more and, as I was realizing the story that it was telling, um, the more amazing that it was to me, you know? And I just, a movie hasn't hit like that in a while in both such a terrifying and um, profound way about like, relationship and sadness and trauma and um yeah it was 
about like I guess the lengths of sadness a person can go to, you know, and it was amazing. Did you see the, the director's previous film, Hereditary? I did. Um, I they're very different movies, so I. So I wouldn't I did, if I found Hereditary upsetting. I probably wouldn't find Midsummer the same kind you, of upsetting. Not the same kind, no, because it doesn't take place in the um, the family very unit. tight family unit. Yeah, the reason that Hereditary was horrifying was because it was all within the family um, unit. But this one is terrifying because of its, um, I guess, portrayal of um, a relationship and how crazy that can be. And this one is way more absurd and abstract. Um, and there are some parts of it that are that could be like upsetting, I think. You know, in a sense of sometimes I thought it was almost gratuitous, but I think it reined it in as it went on. And I think, I, I don't know, it never went too far with me because the story itself was being told so well. Yeah, it's a strange movie. I liked it a lot. And it's my number two. I just... Yeah, it hit for me. My number two is The Irishman. Nice. Now, this film's been, like, discoursed to death frequently. It's sort of taken a lot of the fun out of it. But mm -hmm. I do still genuinely love it. Yes. It's three and a half hours long. And unlike Avengers Endgame, you definitely do feel it. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you're, like, supposed to feel it. It serves the purpose totally. of the story. And... The digital de-aging technology, it's just astounding watching these characters just, like, age bef before your eyes. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely a film where you, like, feel the passage of time in it. If I'm going to compare it to another Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Martin Scorsese gangster movie, Goodfellas, if mm -hmm. Goodfellas is the party, you know, it's, like, all flash, hyper-edited, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, flashy, gratuitous violence. You know, all that fun stuff, all the funny lines and quotes you remember. Irishman is the hangover. It's very much a relative downer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still moments of excitement and still moments of levity. Like, I'm still cracking up uh, thinking about, like, um, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci in prison dipping bread into, like, the prison cups of grape juice. And Joe <laughs> Pesci being like, is that the good grape juice? Yeah, by the end of it, it's pretty fucking bleak and similar to Uncut Gems. De Niro's character has no one to blame but himself for it. Yeah. All the performances are great. You know, De Niro, who surprisingly did not get a Best Actor nomination for this one, it's, which is bizarre. Interesting. Um... And who Joe Pesci and Al Pacino are great. Joe Pesci came in out of retirement for this is beautiful. Especially since it's so out far outside the realm of Joe Pesci's usual roles. He's like quiet and soft spoken in this one. Yeah. Like I don't even think he raises his voice once in this. Oh wow. But he still carries that same menace and power. It's Yeah. 
And of course, Pacino, you know, it's Al Pacino is Jimmy Hoffa. Of course, it's going to be great. Yeah. Again, I love dense crime epics, and this definitely gets the job done. And Yeah. All right. What's your number one of 2019? I mean, I don't think it's a surprise at all. I'll um, be surprised. Yeah, are you really? Wait, no, never mind. I won't be surprised. Yeah, I figured it out. Did, did you just think about it for a yeah. second? Yeah. I think anyone could guess what my favorite movie of the past year was. Um, because it's such a... It's the type of stories that I want to tell. Um, or at tone-wise, subject-wise. It's so good. And my number one of the year is The Lighthouse. Um, this movie surprised me to no end. Um, it kept surprising me. It was hilarious and dark and crazy, and it kept getting crazier, and I kept delving further into madness with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe and their weird um, paranoia-inducing... Uh, stranded in a lighthouse see shenanigans and Willem Dafoe um, uh, monologuing about King Neptune striking down Robert Pattinson um, into the black abyss of the sea and then two seconds later they're like completely shit-faced dancing with each other like <laughs> holding each other in their arms it is so good um it's a movie that keeps you on your toes because you don't know what's truth what's not um what is like reality and what's not um there's a strange mysticism to it but it's all very, also very much entirely human. Uh, it's like about power, dy power dynamics. It's, um, it's, they're stranded in a lighthouse getting drunk. And um, Robert Pattinson, like, beats the shit out of a seagull it is a movie that you have to see to like comprehend and even when you're watching it you can't comprehend it it just it's just happening you know it's phenomenal i already wanted to see it you've made it that i now have to see it yeah like what, right what, away what was it the um what, either either <laughs> the slow dancing or the beating the shit out of a seagull i'm not sure which yeah they beat they um beat the shit out of each other too. <laughs> um, I've like also a, heard there's like plenty of like masturbating and farting. It it's a movie that um has like a fart joke that actually like works. Like it's not just like a, someone farts and that's funny. It's like it's a well set up joke meant to like show one of the characters is, like, a disgusting person, you know? And, like, the other one kind of pauses and you take in, like, yep, this is what they're stuck with for however long they're stuck with it for. So, yeah. It's terrifying, too. Genuinely, it's a terrifying movie. Um, 
Yeah. So good. Go see it. All right. Here's my number one. And my number one is going to seem boring in comparison to yours. All right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Did you see it yet? (laughs) I have not. Uh, Then I can't explain the parts about it that I love so much. But, you know, great cast. DiCaprio, Pitt, Mm -hmm. amazing. Brad Pitt's character is glorious in it. Yeah. I almost feel bad rooting for him over Joe Pesci and the Irishman. But (laughs) honestly, if either one of them won that, I would be satisfied. Okay. Um, I would. Um, you really get the sense of like the 1960s, mm-hmm. and I know that's like the most boring decade to wax nostalgic about now. But Tarantino makes it work because you know it's it's not even because it's not unlike most stuff that wax nostalgic about the 60s. It's not really mm-hmm. like about like the free love or the hippie shit or like. Oh, yeah, we changed the world, man. It's about the guys who are, like, slightly older than those guys who are just looking at those guys and be like, you fucking hippies, get the fuck off my property. Oh, my God. And, again, it's genuinely hilarious. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie, there's been a lot of debate on how well her character is, given that, you know, she lacks lines. Yeah. But I think for the story they're telling, um, her performance and what her character does and says and when she does and says it is works really well it's a truly mm. great performance and all the shit with the manson family yeah. works really well i think my only complaint is something that would be outside the movie's control i wish bird reynolds had lived long enough to be able to play george spawn mm. that's my yeah. one complaint but Otherwise, the movie is absolutely perfect. It just nice. really gets you in this atmosphere where you just want to cruise down Hollywood Boulevard like 60 miles an hour, cranking yeah. like 60s rock music. And, and that's not even getting into the ending, which, oh, yeah, that fucking ending. <laughs> if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to detail it here because Amanda yeah. still hasn't seen it. Yes, I, I shall someday. Yeah. That's, so that was 2019 in film. That's the year. That's, that's the year. <laughs> Anything particular looking forward to in uh, 2020? I actually just found out about this the other day, and I don't have quite an attachment. This one, I don't really have an, that much of an attachment to the source material other than, like, my mom always tells me about it and stuff, and I've, like, seen clips and stuff. But for some reason, I'm ungodly excited for the Fantasy Island horror movie that's coming out on Valentine's Day weekend. Like, I just, I really want to see Fantasy Island as a horror movie. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Like, the concept of, like, your dreams can come true on this island, except it's a horror movie. Like, I want to see what they're going to do with that. I really do. Um, And I'm also excited for Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm also very excited for Scoob. So if you can't tell what type of movies I like, here I am. That's what I'm excited for this year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Me personally, I'm excited for Soul, the new Pixar movie Mm -hmm. coming out. And to a lesser extent, Onward. Mm -hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay. 
Like the first crew, I don't think it showed quite enough humor for me yeah. yet. I'm hoping that changes later on. Yeah. We've got Dune coming out from the director of Blade of Blade Runner 2049. Nice. Which, yeah, it's gonna, it's you know, Dune from the director of Blade Runner 2049. Of course, I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, I'll come out to see like the new Marvel stuff, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course, same. Um. Godzilla versus Khan should be interesting. Oh, cool. I'm one of the few people who actually really like Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it was nice talking with you. Signing off. I'm Don Agatone. And I'm the other one. <laughs>